John chapter 1, and uh, we continue on with our study, uh, and we are beginning a, the first set of tests in 1 John that deal with three misconceptions, uh, and tonight we deal specifically with the misconception we can fellowship with God and still walk in sin. That we can fellowship with God and still walk in sin. This is the first misconception that is spoken of here. If you recall in chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, what was from the beginning we have seen and heard And we have seen with our eyes what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, and the life was manifested. And we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard we proclaim also, so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. Now, this is the message we have heard from Him and announced to you, that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. Father, we ask for clarity with this text and ask that You apply it to our hearts, our believing hearts, that we may understand it and that we may be honest with ourselves individually. And Father, to see that not only what is being spoken of here is light and darkness, but what true fellowship looks like. And we pray, Father, that if there is an area in our understanding or in our faith or in our actions, in our relationship with you that needs to be amended, that it would be done so this evening through the hearing of the word and that through all of it we may give even more thanks to Jesus Christ who himself has broken the curse and made a propitiation for our sins and called us to sonship in him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In verses 5 through chapter 2, verse 2, there are three misconceptions that are spoken of. The first misconception is our subject tonight is that we can have fellowship with God and still walk in sin. The next time we meet over this subject, we will discuss verses 8 through 9, which is the misconception that man is not totally sinful and depraved. I will speak a bit about that tonight. And then in verses 10 through chapter 2, verse 2, 
man can become sinless and righteous on his own. This is another misconception that John deals with. But beginning properly, I want to look at verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, we can fellowship with God and still walk in darkness is the misconception that John is speaking of here in his epistle. He is saying that there are those who are saying you can have fellowship with God. His grace is sufficient. All of these things. You can walk in fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness. What is interesting here is the term fellowship. As I showed you last week, this term fellowship is used in uh, verse... Let's see, it's used in verse 3. What we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed fellowship with the Father and with the Son Jesus Christ. So this word fellowship is used six times in 1 John. However, in verse 3 when it says fellowship with the Father and His Son Jesus Christ, That is the only time of the six times fellowship is used that it refers to fellowship with Jesus and His Father. The other five times it refers to fellowship with fellow believers. Okay? It refers to fellowship with other believers, real believers, in real fellowship with God the Father and God the Son. And so I want you to remember this. It says the misconception is we can have fellowship with God and yet walk in darkness. Well, the idea from the Word is also that we think we can have fellowship with God's church and continue and walk in darkness. You can't. And this is proved up. You don't need a real theological example of this to see it. You know it's true. When, when people begin to have trouble, when there's trouble on the home front, when there's a disagreement or there's something like that, what's the first thing they give up? They give up their church life. And usually, and it, it proves out over and over again, when a couple begins to get on the skids, you know who the last people they'll come talk to? The church. And usually by that time, it's too late. This afternoon I was taking a bath and before to shave and just to get the stink off of me and uh, I got a text from a person that doesn't attend our church at all but did years ago asking for help and I made a decision some time ago I help a lot of people but my help is is help from as a pastor and as your pastor and if I'm not going to be your pastor, if, I'm not, if you're not going to submit to the Lord that I submit to and the direction that, I, that God has called me to tell you the truth and you're not going to submit to that and bring your kids, I'm not going to spend my time on you. And the reason is is because I need to spend my time on the people that do. You don't want me to... You know, if Bill's having a problem and he needs some help with Johnny or something like that or vice versa, 
and I'm spending my time on some recalcitrant sinner who only uses me and I don't come see you, I have, I have done two disservices. One to that person and I've done a disservice to you. I'm responsible for my sheep. I'm not responsible for goats that have come in. You say, that's an awful hard term. Listen, that's what John is saying here. You, if you walk in darkness, you will have no credible fellowship with the people of light. You won't. You'll be the ones that are having roast pasture for lunch. You're going to, on Sundays, you're going to be the ones that are critical of everything. You're going to be the one, you're going to be the first one to say what's wrong with the church, yet you know nothing of its experience. And so what John is saying here, a pretty good indication is that if you're going to walk in darkness, one true fact will happen, and you don't even have to choose it. You'll automatically do it. You're not going to walk with the people of light. It's not going to become your habit. You're going to give every excuse under the sun not to walk with the people of light. That's what he says. This, so let me tell you how this is an assurance for those of us that believe. Look, I, I can't wait till Sunday. I've I'm, got a part in a wedding festivity this weekend. Hotel rooms paid for me two nights. I can be gone the whole weekend. I'm coming back here. I hadn't missed a Sunday in how long? How long? Has it even been over a year yet? I haven't even missed one. I cannot wait to get back. I cannot wait to do all that because I want to be with the fellowship. I want to be with my tribe. My little tribe. You know? But don't you? I mean, something's happened here. Something is happening here. Something greater than we can imagine is happening, and we just be patient as it takes place. But I can't wait. And so whether I'm going to spend the night or I'm going to go do my diddy-dally and come back and be here bright and shiny and bushy-tailed Sunday morning, I cannot wait. That doesn't mean that those that are not going to be here, I told my family, I said, I want you all to stay there and rest. You need to rest. It's like, well, I need to rest. I don't need to, I, this is my job. I want to do this. And so the idea is, is that we have felt, but let me tell you something. When I was in, before I went to seminary, when I was running from the Lord and we lived in Andrews, guess what I stopped doing? I got mad at the preacher who was my spiritual daddy, married me, buried my dad, led me to Christ. I got mad and you know what I did? I, start, I taught Sunday school, so I went to Sunday school and then I went home because I wasn't going to go sit in church and listen to him preach because I wanted him to know that I was mad at him. And all the other 600 people didn't even ask, where's James Truett? But Kelly was there and she was going, I know where he is, he's acting like a child. <laughs> it never works. It never works. It never works. So when people do that, I've done it too. But I want to tell you something. When you are not walking in the light, you don't want to be around people in light. Okay, John makes this point. And so why is this? He says in the text that if, if you walk in the darkness and claim to have fellowship with God, number one, it is a lie. And number two, it is not the truth. It's not the truth. It's a lie and it's not the truth. And then look at verse 7, what he says. And then we're going to get real specific. 
But if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. There is that fellowship of the light people. And the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us. Who is us? Those of us in the fellowship from all sin. So the truth is we need to walk in the light. And when you walk in the light of Christ, two things are going to happen. The first thing that's going to happen is you're going to be in true fellowship. You're going to be in true fellowship. And the second thing is that fellowship, besides the blood of Christ Jesus, because I've told you this, you know, I started introducing this to you about two or three months ago, being a part of the church and worshiping together and coming up here and eating all this spread. And somebody do not get rid of those pickles and carrots. I have to try some of those before I, I leave tonight because that's one of my favorite things. Um, is that... Good. Is that... Uh, is that uh, um, well, if I go to... If y'all start going to sleep, I'll go eat some, breathe some fire and give you some light. Um, but the idea is that fellowship, the church body... Being a part of a church is part of God's process of sanctifying us. It's part of His sanctifying work. And so when He says here, as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of, of His Son cleanses us from all sins. So that is basically, in a nutshell, the first misconception. But there's a little more to it than that. So I'd like you to write this down. One of the things that this passage of Scripture through chapter 2, verse 2 demonstrates is that the claim to know God has to do with your attitude towards sin. The claim to know God is tested by our attitudes to sin. The claims to know God is tested by our attitudes to sin. So look back at verse 5. Watch what happens. This is the message we have heard from Him and announced to you that God is light and in Him there is no darkness. Now Sunday in John, we're going to look at how Jesus is the light. So I'm going to save a whole lot of light for then. Okay, maybe I'll have eaten a few more jalapenos by then. And so look what it says. God is light, and in Him there is no darkness. So I want you to write this down or underline it in your Bible. This verse defines the content of this epistle. This is the defining verse for the content of His message. And He is speaking to the fact that God is light. Now here's what I want you to understand how it's used here. When it speaks that God is light, it is not speaking about the description of God. It is speaking about the character of God. You want to get that point down. You want to write that down. It is the character of God and what the character of God tells us is the basis of all ethical application, how we apply His character to our life. And so here's what it is. Here is the first ethical application to the fact that God is light. And it's in verse 7. Those who truly know God walk in the light. 
That is the ethical application of his character. Those who know God walk in the light. So verse 5 refers to verse 7. And then there is this second attribute. In him there is no darkness. In him there is no darkness. So the content of this message or the message of the epistle is God is light. It is the basis of ethical of our ethical application of living for him so those who know him walk in the light and in him there is no darkness. And so he gives three conditional sentences. Here they are. Number one is found in verse 6. They all start with if. Look at verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with Him. The second one is in verse 8. If we say that we have no sin. And the third one is in verse 10. If we say we have not sinned. So verse 6 speaks to darkness. Verse 8 speaks to deception. And verse 10 speaks to defamation. Verse 6 speaks to darkness. Notice. It refers to, in verse 4, we learned what fellowship was. Now, what's happening here? He says, if we claim, in verse 6, if we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. The idea of fellowship with God, as mentioned in verse 4, when he talks about fellowship with God, does not mean of my verbal assent as to who he is and my uh, behavior towards what he says. It is, when I showed you this last week, this word fellowship means that I am a partner in his ministry of light. So not only do I practice what he says, I preach it and use words if necessary. That's what we learned last week with that term fellowship of the one of six things as it dealt with God. I practice and participate in His character and what He says and does. Consequently, since I practice it, I walk in it. And so, what happens? If we claim to fellowship, have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and Jesus His Son cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So here's the point I want to make. When you don't, when, when a person believes the misconception that they can have fellowship with God and continue to walk in darkness, they are lying. And they are lying about their relationship with God. Now, it's not beneficial perhaps for you to say, you know, you need to stop that. You're lying about your relationship with God. 
Uh, I, I can't really think of a situation where you would want to maybe do that at Cracker Barrel or somewhere like that, but they're lying about their relationship with God because of what reason? He says it right here in the verse. They do not practice the truth. Turn over in your Bibles to John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 21, and put a marker there. John 3, 21. John 3, 21. Look what he says. Now just, just put you something there, your Bible marker there, because we're going to go back. But he who practices the truth comes to the what? So that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Notice what it says. But he who practices the truth. Same phrase John uses here in verse 6. Practices the truth. So what do we know? Those who do not practice the truth are walking where? In darkness. Okay, so if a person's walking in darkness, what are they practicing? Lying. They're practicing what is not the truth, right? And, it's, and he emphasizes it here. And so here's the idea. They are guilty. They're not only lying about their relationship to God, but they are guilty of not practicing the truth, right? And what does the Bible say? The truth will set you what? Free. All right, so he's dark. Okay? Now, you, you know, so then look again, though. I told you to stay there, and of course I didn't. I got to turn back. So look at, go to verse 19. Go to verse 19. It says, This is the judgment that light is come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light, for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth, the light, comes to the light, so that his deeds may manifest, be manifested in having been wrought to God. Now, who is the light being spoken of in John's Gospel? Jesus. That's what we will study Sunday. The light that's being spoken of in John's epistle is God. You can't get to the God of light unless you go through the Jesus, the light. Okay? Because it tells you how to be saved and then how to be assured of your salvation. Now, if there's a reason that you're sitting here and saying, I don't know if I'm saved, then the text is having its work on you. If you're sitting here saying, wow... I'm glad I'm in the light. Praise the Lord. Well, how do you know you're in the light? Because you practice the truth. What's the truth? Your personal opinion about what Scripture says or church this or church that? No, it's that you walk at the inward testimony that's written upon your heart by the Word of God, that which draws you out that we so wonderfully saw Sunday morning that even the lost world proclaimed looking for. The reality of it is, is that those who are walking in the light are people that are not lying to themselves. And you think about it, to be a Christian, what do you have to admit? You're a sinner. You're a sinner. You're broken. You're messed up, like we all are. And so here's the idea. 
To walk in darkness therefore means this. It means to be unwilling to be open to God. I was counseling a, a, a person the other day in a conversation that's unrelated to any of us and this person said that they had dealt with a person that in, in this person's professional career as a counselor is the hardest person ever to get to open up. And I said, well, let, let me have a crack at the person. And, uh, you know, you can crack a nut with enough pressure and prayer and probity, which is truth. It takes time, there's trauma, there's stress, all the indications are there of PTSD, everything. It's all there. But the thing about it is, is that when you choose not to walk openly before God, you're going to have a very hard time walking openly before the people of light. You, you, you won't want to do it. And you cannot ever get to that place until you walk up to the light, which is Christ Himself, who has come to save the men who walk in darkness. Right? What did this, what's it say in Luke? Behold, and they saw a great what? Just wait till Sunday. I'm saving the light portion till Sunday. Uh, so, watch the consequence. Here are the consequences of this. There are some consequences that are mentioned here. This person is, is, is believing a lie, is lying, and this person is not in the truth. And so, the consequence is is that they lie and they do not live out the truth. That's the consequence of this. So therefore, to walk in the light means to have fellowship. To walk in darkness means no light. Or to walk without fellowship means no light. It is not good for a man to be alone. Hebrews says there are those who have given up meeting together. They haven't given... You know, you can make all the excuses in the world for somebody... But it's, it's, it's not going to be their excuse. Well, the building's too cold. I don't like where we meet. We're too packed. It's too loud. It's all that. You make all of that stuff. But I'm going to tell you, there's people around the world that worship in the hot, hot summer underneath the nearest tree they can find to worship Almighty God. They, they, I mean, Care Grace, when she went to India with Katie Lawler, they went and, and ministered on top of a trash pile. I'm not talking about a trash pile that Gainesville picks up. I'm talking like going to Louisville and standing on the trash heap and, and minister to the little journey fellowship that met under a tent in a, where the parents of those children made their living by picking the plastic out of the trash heap. And that's where they went. And they were covered in flies and everything else. Never heard a complaint about it. And... Uh, so, you know, that's an extreme example, but where there, is, where there is light, there will be the fellowship of God's people, and where there's no light, there'll be no fellowship. And so here's the point. No fellowship with God means no fellowship with others. No fellowship with God means no real fellowship with others, and that means real believers. And here's the second consequence. 
It talks about in verse 7, he says, But if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all, all sin. Here's the second consequence of walking in darkness. The idea of walking and purifying are a continuing action. They're aorist. It's an aorist. It starts at a punctiliar point of time, in a point of time, and continues. As we walk with Christ we continue to be purified. We continue the process of sanctification. The justification began the point, began the process, but we walk in sanctification. So the second consequence is this, is that when you're not in fellowship, you're not walking, and when you're not walking, you're purifying. You're not purifying. So it's not only getting darker, it's getting dirtier. Okay? That's the idea. And so, what is required then at this point? Well, if we claim to have fellowship with Him but walk in darkness, we are in a state of darkness because we are lying to others about our relationship to God. But in verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, then we are in deception to ourselves. We're deceiving ourselves. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. So not only do you not have the light, now you don't have the truth. What hope is there at you at this point? You're not walking, so there's no purification taking place. There's none of the benefits of the gospel whatsoever. You're out of fellowship with the people of God, so you are not under the preaching of the word. You may think preaching stupid. Guess what? So does the Bible. And God says, I am pleased through the foolishness of preaching. Okay? And not only that, Jesus Christ was a what? Well, I don't like preachers. Well, your Savior was. Jesus is a preacher. That's what He was. He's a great fisherman. Never put a line in the water either. He just said, float, and they came. Jump in the boat, right? The reality of it... Actually, that didn't happen. But uh, uh, so if we claim, as He says here... If we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. The truth is not in us. First of all, we have darkness, and now we have this deception. And this is the problem. This is a problem for believers. Let me say that again. This is a problem for believers. If they come to a place like this, or they believe they're believers, they are not deceiving other people. The greatest danger is they're deceiving themselves. Do we have a biblical illustration of this? We do. We do. King David. In 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12, David thought that the whole incident that happened with Bathsheba and Uriah and all of that was all secret. There was no evidence. The baby was dead. The wife or the husband of the man, of the woman that he committed adultery with was dead. No one knew. No one knew. It was 18 months later when the prophet came and told him the story about the little ewe lamb. Or, well, that's how I first read it. It's the little ewe, the little lamb. And David 
threw a fit. He reacted so, and I want to tell you, psychologically, this is a really good thing for you to learn. When you watch David's reaction in that, and you go and you talk to somebody and they react the way he did, you can know that you got them. They don't know they've been got, but you've got them. We, Jesus is brilliant when he says, we react to other people's sin so brashly because it's the very sin we commit. You can learn a lot from a sinner. And if you watch Jesus and you watch how the prophet talked and you watch David's response, you get to see it's a mirror. And so what happens, David just throws this fit. I mean, he's going to have the man, you know, torn asunder. And, uh, and then he says, you're the man. That's the one time you don't want to ever hear the phrase, you the man. You da, you're that man. And so then you see what happens with David in Psalm 51, which I'm going to end our lesson with tonight. So there is this constant ability to deceive ourselves, and it is the idea if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. The truth is not in us. So here's something I want you to get. The first one deals with darkness. We lie about our fellowship. We're in darkness. The second one deals with our deals with deception. We're lying about our nature. The first one, we're lying about our fellowship. The second one is we're lying about our nature. And this is what it sounds like. This is what it sounds like. I could never do a thing like that. Now this is one of the very reasons I don't ever have not ever do not and will not ever go to some lady's home by myself. And it is not because of any other thing. I cannot do that. It is wrong for me. It would be a sin for me to do that. Because it would be, those who know the good they ought to do and do not do it is a sin. For me, it would be a sin. It may not be a sin for you. It's a sin for me. And so here, but here's the reason I do that. Here's one of the reasons. Because I know my weaknesses. I know my limitations. And I don't live by this, I could never do that thing. Because the moment you say, I could never do that thing, you wind up looking that you've done that thing. And there are too many folks, too many believers that walk around high-handedly boasting, I could never do that thing. I'm going to tell you what, one day, doesn't matter how old you are, one day the devil's going to punch your card. And you're going to better hope you got verse 6 right. Right? You better hope that you have fellowship. I, I had an event here a while back of a great thing, a great temptation that, that I fell into. I mean, if something happened, I told Rick knows about it or something, I'm not going to say any more about it, and I've told truth about it, but I mean, this thing happened, and when it presented itself, it, you know the old saying, run, forest, run? It was one of those moments where I ran, physically ran. They would have called me the flash or the flush. I don't know. And it's, it's how, how, how can you do this thing? Joseph there in, in Potiphar's bedroom. How can I do this thing before God? No one will know. Yeah, but God will. 
And see, David thought no one knew. Eighteen months. Eighteen months went by. That's a long time, eighteen months. And all of a sudden it was brought up, and I mean it caught him so off guard. And so people have this idea, they lie about their fellowship, but they also are lying about their nature. We have a sin nature. I'm going to deal with that in a moment. And then look at verse 10. He says, If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not as this is the part of defamation. The first one has to do with darkness, where you're out of fellowship because you walk in darkness. The second one has to do with deception because you're lying to yourself. The first one, you're lying to everybody else. The second one, you're lying to yourself. But in the third one, you are defaming the name of God. This is defamation. If we, if we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. Now who would do that? You see, this is a lie about our actions. The first one's a lie about our fellowship. The second one's a lie about our nature. But the third one is terrible. It's a lie about our actions. Who would go and lay a charge against our God to say, God, no, 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 no. I guess if you're woke enough, you'll do it. In this culture we live in today, if you're woke enough, I guess you'll do it. You could do it. You can say, no, you made me this way. I was born this way. I lived this way. You did this to me. How, how could anyone? I mean, you know, the Bible says uh, he directs the path of the lightning. I was outside the other day in the lightning storm going to get in my car, and I mean, that lightning cracked. I didn't look up to heaven and go, missed me. <laughs> I didn't do that. I mean, you talk about preacher on a stick. If I mean, I didn't, I mean, he directs the lightning, and it was lightning, boom. So, I mean, what's it, six seconds, and it's a mile away or something? I think it was one... Four seconds? Well, then it was maybe four feet away. But I did not look up to heaven and go, Missed me? You missed me by that much, do the old Maxwell Smart. Some of you all don't, you youngins don't know who Maxwell Smart is, but if you saw the telephone he had, you would get rid of your Apple iPhones. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't they? Wouldn't they? They would love his telephone. Let me show you something. The Bible says that God is light. That's in 1 John 1, 5. The Bible says that He calls us out of darkness in 1 Peter 2, 9. He says that we are children of the light in 1 Thessalonians 5, 5. That those who do wrong hate the light in John 3, 19 through 21. And then he says in Ephesians 5, 8 through 13, he says, When light shines in on us, it reveals our true nature. He constantly speaks about this light, and here this person demonstrates they are not only in this place of total loss of fellowship, they are in a place of total uh, darkness, they are in total deceit to themselves about where they stand, and then they fall to this pattern of defamation to blame God, to blame God for their circumstances. Now, we listen, I want to tell you something. The, uh, there's a book I've been reading. It is simple. I've given it to a few of our men to read. 
to read it for my benefit, but it is called The Preacher's Catechism by Lewis Allen. And it, it, it's not a book a new preacher could read because he doesn't have any experience. He doesn't have the battle marks or the scars or the gray hair. And in all likelihood, he's probably quit. Um, this book speaks about, it, I mean, it speaks to the guy that's been a pastor for 20 plus years. And it has been the most magnificent thing. And it's it, one of the things he talks about over and over is remember to preach the gospel to yourself. Don't trust your sermons. Believe your sermons. This week I was reading one chapter and it said, you know, Sunday I thought was just the, just the summit of preaching. By 2 o'clock the afternoon I was completely down, depressed, and in the dumps. I mean, it just, but that's, that's, part of, that's part of the exercise. That is a common thing for preachers. And just trying to figure out how in the world am I going to do that again. And people listened and... You know, and they got it, and then you watch, and you, there's people that sleep, there's people don't pay attention, there's people that, oh, you really did a good job this week, or something like that, and and the victories are that you see are far less than everything else, and one of the things that he was saying in in the chapter this week was, but remember who called you, and remember the one who assigned the task to you, don't forget Jesus the magnificent Jesus and all the process. And because as you run to Him, that changes everything because you're still doing His work because He knows and He, and he loves. And it, it was so beneficial to sit there and read that. I was at Cracker Barrel, just sit there. and No, I was at Trails Inn, which oddly enough, let me just tell you a neat story. The morning I read, I lost these glasses three years ago. They were sitting behind the cash register at Trails Inn under a foot of dust. I said, Sam, whose glasses are those? Let them not. They've been here forever. I said, give them to me. And they're mine. I can't see out of the top just like I couldn't. And I can barely see out of the bottom. And they do this, and they sit on my face like that. These are my glasses. Isn't that cool? And I, I just thought, though, huh? I was just kind of... I was just kind of thrilled with that the other morning, having just learned what I was reading that just spoke to my heart. And then here, I'm not going to tell you how much Dr. York sold these to me for. I could buy a Bitcoin. Um, no, I couldn't. Let me show you something. Listen, and we'll just, we'll just finish up with this. So here's the application for us as believers. Remember, chapters 1 and 2 speak to our fellowship with Him. 3, 4, and 5 speak to our communion with Him. These, if you are doing these things, walking in fellowship, knowing that you are a sinner, knowing that it is God who didn't make you sin, you have sinned against Him, you're in a good place if you are walking openly before God. And if you're walking openly before God, you're going to be walking openly before His people of light. Folks say, some have said and come through here and said, well, I could never go to church. Church just judged me. That's why you need to come to Journey. We don't do that here. We're a place of ragamuffins led by the chief center of all. Ragamuffins. And, and so the reality of it is, is so what is needed here is what we need to do for ourselves. And it is one beautiful word. Honesty. Honesty, and let me close it with this. 
Let me just close it with this. I have much more, but I'm just going to close it with this. Honesty. We need to be honest with ourselves. We need to be honest with others. And we need to be honest with God. As opposed to darkness, deception, and defamation, we need to be honest with ourselves, honest with others, and honest with God. And so if we are not honest, then we are walking in darkness. That's how you can summarize just this first misconception. You say, how are you going to get two more sermons out of this? Well, because I'm me. (laughs) And there's plenty here. There's plenty here. I looked at it. I preached 1 John at First Baptist Church, Gainesville, starting in December of 2011 and went on Sunday nights and did it. I have also preached a few sermons on 1 John in 2017 at the Journey Church. So I pulled all of those notes out and discarded them because I'm a different preacher. So none of this stuff, you might, Johnny McGregor showed me the other day, he said, I don't remember when you did this, but I've got it in here twice. I said, because you got it at post too. And so this is, I haven't, I mean, this is, these are my notes. Okay. So watch this. If we're not honest, we're walking in darkness, and here's what we lose. Number one, you lose the word. Number one, you lose the word. What does that mean? Well, in verse In verse 6, it means we stop doing the truth. In verse 8, it means the truth's no longer in us. And in verse 10, uh, the truth turns into a lie. That's the first thing. If we're not honest, we stop, we lose the word. We lose the word in us. We stop doing the truth. The truth is no longer in us. And then the truth, we turn into a lie. Here's the second thing. We lose fellowship with God and God's people. I can't imagine that. And when I go on vacation, when I go to Vail, Colorado, and I, I have, for, for us, for the church, for the ministry, I had four different times I could go this summer. And I just didn't go. And go be with, with the Gordons, and I just didn't go. I, I want to be here because I want to be, I'm excited to come worship. And, and be here. I love my job. I love, I love the journey. And, uh, but I can't, but when I am in Vail, I go to the Vail Church. The pastor there is a former Major League Baseball player, trained at da- Dallas Theological Seminary, and it's just a great church. It's in Avon. And I go and I can slip in and no one will know. And I go in shorts too. <gasps> and Birkenstocks, because that's I can do it there on Sunday morning. Ah, in the winter, uh, I look like a Coloradan. Rocky Mountain High. No, just kidding. And uh, lose fellowship with God and God's people. But the rest of the time, I don't go to church when I go on vacation. But here's the third thing, and it's over here in chapter two, verse four. This is terrible. It's not only losing the word when you're not honest. It's not only losing fellowship with each other and with God when you're not honest. But this is something that resonates very well with us Americans. Look what John, 1 John 2, 4 says. 
The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. You say, what's that mean? The third thing you lose is your character. Character counts. My daddy always said he would like to have a shirt made that has on the back of it some, uh, one of those signs that says, warning, character under construction. Dad was a man of character. For all of his flaws, he was a man of character. You lose your character. So go with me over here to Proverbs 28 as I finish. Proverbs 28. I'm going to point out three things and then I will call it done tonight. Proverbs 28. Look what it says. Right here in verse 13. He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. I am convinced this is why the judge, the district judge, the county judge at law, and the prosecutors, just like the other day the prosecutor asked me to go to lunch to help him with a case he did not know what to do morally. I was like, I don't know what to do. Execution. I mean, that solves a problem. But it wasn't, it wasn't that one that kind of case. He said, I truly don't know what to do. This guy knows what to do. But he asked me to go to lunch with him to talk about it. I think it's because there is the recognition that across the street there is this dim light or dim wit, whatever, that believes that by leading people in this process of, trans, of confession to not, tra- not conceal it, that as they confess, they find compassion. And this is the truth of God. As you confess sin, you find compassion. When people act so ugly and so bitter, that's the problem. And I I took a rabbit chase before I got this out of my mouth. If there are any people that need the love of God more than any other people, it's the lost. They need it more than anyone. And they need it from us. So much as we can give it. I mean, so here you have, first of all, if you lose your character, the first thing you're going to lose in your character is you're going to lose your prosperity. So, you know, I guess you could become a prosperity preacher and cover yourself up pretty good with that. But... You're not pastoring a church, I can tell you that. I wrote a letter the other day, and in it I was responding to something, and in the letter to this fella, I never referred to the place I was writing as a church. I called it a fellowship and a congregation, but I would not call it a church. I don't think they're bright enough to see that I did that, but I did it intentionally. It was a gracious letter. Verse, Psalm 32, verses 3 through 4. Not only will you lose, in losing your character, do you lose your prosperity, the prosperity because you've lost your character, but here's another result of losing your character. In Psalm 32, 3 through 4, it says, When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away. Though all my groanings all day, through all my groanings all day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my vitality was drained away as with the fever 
heat of the summer or like COVID. And so what do you lose? If you've lost your character, the biblical principle is you not only lose your prosperity, you you lose your health. It's a dangerous thing to walk in darkness. And it's sure a dangerous thing to deceive yourself that you're walking in light. And it's terrible to defame God, to call Him a liar. You'll lose your prosperity, your health, and the, the, the summation of it all can be found no farther than just a few pages over in Psalm 51. David has now been caught in his sin. He, has been a, he is a contrite person. Did you notice Sunday morning when I prayed? I, I loved it. Not, I mean, because it was prepared. It was thought out prayer. But when I prayed, I prayed about the sins out of Romans chapter 1 that we are guilty of and then spent all of that time praying about the pardon that we have received. Thanking God for pardon. And then Truett sang a psalm about pardon. We are pardoned sinners. Amen? What a glorious truth. We don't hide it. But here's something that you'll lose when you lose your character, not just prosperity and health, but we learn something right here. Be gracious unto me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, brought out my, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgression, my sin is ever before me, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. Purify me with hyssop, which is, you don't really want to be purified with hyssop. That involves uh, being uh, flogged. And I shall be clean. Make me to hear joy and gladness. That's the phrase right there. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. When you have lost your character because you're not dealing honestly with others, yourself, and with God, you lose prosperity, you lose health, and you lose your joy. Makarios. Makarios is the same word that is blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are these, the Stoics, the Greeks, they were looking for eudaimonia, they were looking for happiness, they were looking for something that would take the edge off of the human condition and suffering. They thought they could find it in the virtues and then they found it in the one who is the light, Jesus Christ himself. And they stopped looking for eudaimonia and they found makarios, they found joy. Well, when you're not honest, you lose that. And so those are very practical things to look at and say, all right, where do I stand in 1 John? Remember, 1 John is a book of assurance. So we all probably have grown in our knowledge tonight about what it means to fellowship. I hope we have. And I think probably for you all, I would imagine that indeed this has been assuring to you. It's not a message you need to go preach to someone else. It's a message you need to be honest with yourself about. And there's much, much more to give you. But with that, we'll end. So let's pray. God.